This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining us for our daily Bible study. We're in Luke chapter 17. He said to the disciples, It is impossible that no occasions of stumbling should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, rather than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be careful. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in the day and seven times return, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. There will always be reasons to quit. There will always be sins to trip over. There will always be people that could offend you. And we need to be sure that we are not... Um, finding occasion to stumble and allowing it to keep us from following the Lord. But also, we're told here that we need to be sure that we're not leading someone else into temptation or discouraging them or hurting them because Jesus pronounced a woe on the person who would bring the offense or the cause of stumbling. On the other hand, if someone sins against you, uh, this is not just a disagreement, but truly a sinful offense. If It's not just talking about if you don't necessarily see eye to eye, but someone has done you wrong. It's okay to address it, but you're supposed to do this with the hope of reconciliation. If the offender repents, then you forgive. And if this is a repeat offender and they repent and they sin and you call them on it and they repent and then they sin against you and the pattern continues. Jesus said, even if it happens seven times in the same day, if they come back and say, I've made a mistake, I'm sorry, I repent, then we need to forgive them just like God forgives us when we repent and come back to him. Verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you would tell this sycamore tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But who is there among you having a servant plowing or keeping sheep that will say when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down at the table, and will not rather tell him, prepare my supper, clothe yourself properly, and serve me while I eat and drink. Afterwards, you shall Afterward, you shall eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded? I think not. Even so, you also, when you have done all the things that are commanded, you say, we are unworthy servants. We have done our duty. Now, remember what sparked this was the apostles asking for increased faith. And so Jesus agrees with them that faith is necessary and faith will make everything possible. And then he shared a key, I believe, to developing powerful, effective faith. And that's simply to go beyond your duty. Go beyond what you can do. Go beyond the minimum that's required of you. Do everything that you can do and desire to do more, and God will give you the faith that you need to receive it. Verse 11, as he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, ten men who were lepers met him, 
who stood at a distance, they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, Weren't the ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there none found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has healed you. Notice the keys to the miracle. It wasn't based so much on who needed the miracle. Um, These men were considered unclean, and so they would be, uh, again, on the lower end of society. And the one who receives the most praise from the Lord is the Samaritan. He's not even a Jew. He's a foreigner. So why were these men healed when others in other places were not? Why were they healed at this time when they hadn't been previously? What was the key to the miracle? Well, as we look through and see what happens first, we see that they call out for mercy. And then this is because they believed. And we see the evidence of this whenever Jesus tells them to go back and to show themselves, and they were not healed immediately. Uh, they they went to the priests, still lepers, and then as they were along the way, so notice the faith and obedience, as they were going along their way, that's when healing came, when they were actually walking in faith. And so Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And of course, the proper response was the response of the Samaritan who came back and glorified God and gave thanks. Verse number 20, being asked by the Pharisees when God's kingdom would come, he answered them, God's kingdom doesn't come with observation. Neither will they say, look here or look there, for behold, God's kingdom is within you. He said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they would tell you, look here or look there. Don't go away or follow after them. For as the lightning, when it flashes out of one part under the sky, shines to another part under the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. As it was in the days of Noah, even so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ship, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, even as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But in the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and sulfur from the sky and destroyed them all. It will be the same way in the day that the Son of Man is revealed, and that day He who will be on the housetop and his goods in the house, let him not go down to take them away. Let him who is in the field likewise not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life loses it, but whoever loses his life preserves it. I tell you, in that night there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two will be in the field the one taken and the other left. They answering asked asked him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the body is, there the vultures will also be gathered together. 
So the Pharisees were expecting the Messiah to immediately usher in a physical kingdom on earth. And Jesus stated that the kingdom was actually within. And there's a couple possible meanings here. Um, one, he could be referring to the kingdom initially coming to the earth as a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. Paul would later explain that the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. There's also a second possibility that he could have been referring to himself, where it says that the kingdom was within or within you. It could also be translated as in your midst or among you. And then if this is the case, then again, Jesus was most likely signifying that the dominion of the king, the kingdom had arrived when he arrived. Jesus warned his disciples that there would come a time when they would long to see one of his days because he was not always going to be with them physically. And when others would be declaring that the Messiah had come or that Jesus had returned in some secret way, the, the disciples weren't to believe that. They were to know better because his return would be like lightning flashing across the sky. He said before his return, they were going to crucify him. Just as in Noah's day, a judgment would come and the people wouldn't be ready. Or as in Lot's day, it was just another day until judgment came and they were caught unaware. And it's going to be the same when Jesus is revealed. And that day, and again, a day here can refer to one particular day or it can refer to a time period. But in that day, deliverance and salvation have to be the one and only priority of the believer. The Lord is coming back for people who've completely given their lives to Him, not for those who are looking back or seeking to preserve the life that they had before He called them. In a moment, the difference between the saved and the lost is going to be evident for all. One inherits judgment and the other is going to receive salvation. When asked where this was going to occur, Jesus answered with an expression or a figure of speech. At least that's what I believe it is. He said, where the body is, the vultures gather. And this probably means that this will occur when the conditions are right. Or maybe it means that judgment will come when the world has reached a level of sin. Um, and of course, the Bible refers to living in sin as death. Uh, so it's a dead thing. Um, when it's reached a level of sin that essentially attracts God's judgment. And just like the birds circling overhead, um, that's exactly what will happen uh, when the judgment comes, it's it's hovering as the Lord in His mercy gives everyone a chance to be saved, that we'll be saved. But finally, it reaches a boiling point. Just like in every other judgment in the Scripture, there is a certain point where the only answer for the overwhelming and increasingly vile sins of society is for God to come in judgment against the sinners. And so uh, whatever that's going to entail and however that judgment's going to come, we don't want to be any part of that. And so let's pray right now that we would be right with God and, and just kind of going over the themes of this chapter, that we would have a clean heart with our brother and sister, that we wouldn't offend anyone and that we wouldn't carry offense. 
and that we would be working and and our faith would be growing we would be believing and obeying and and again most important that we would be full of the spirit and ready when he comes let's pray together lord we thank you for this word i ask that it would find lodging in our hearts i pray that it would transform and change us into your very image i pray that we might be saved and that we would perform your will. We thank you in advance for what you're doing, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me. Join me again tomorrow for another um, episode where we'll go through the next chapter, Luke chapter 18, as we continue our journey through the New Testament. God bless you. (music) 